you know, Billy Graham wrote a quote. He said, once you get your attitude straight around money, it's going to help straighten out every area of your life. Oh my God, dude, that totally changed my world. Like once I got my attitude straight around money, I had to practice forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to a group of advisors in Texas this week and we spent an hour and a half on forgiving people Mm. because I had a coach that said, until you forgive your ex-wife, you're going to be a broke joke your whole life. Yeah, because it's always someone someone else's fault playing the blame game. Yeah, well, and it's just, he's like, you need to learn how to forgive her, which was one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. Welcome to the Prime Life Project Podcast, a place to help you unlock your full potential, both mentally and physically, to become the best version of you. Welcome back to an episode of the Prime Life Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James. And if you've ever struggled with money, if you've ever struggled with debt, and if you've ever wanted to know what on earth financial literacy is, this is the podcast for you. I have a fantastic guest for you today, and our beliefs are aligned. Like For people that have listened to podcasts for a long time, you will know that I struggled massively with debt uh, when I got myself into depression. Uh, I lost everything. So I lost my business. I lost all my clients. Uh, I lost the flat that I was living in, uh, and I got myself into a lot of financial debt. So this is a topic that's extremely close to my heart. And remember, the mission of the podcast is to help as many people as possible, both mentally and physically, become the best versions of themselves. And you can't mentally become the best version of yourself if you are shrouded in debt. So the episode today will give you such valuable content. Get a pen and paper ready because what Chris is about to give you is going to be absolutely game-changing. So my guest today is Chris Felton. He's the founder and principal of his own financial service business, which he started in 1999. He leads and trains over 220 agents with over 30,000 clients and is a national speaker and trainer for his firm. He's been featured in Forbes, Fortune, Market Watch, Yahoo Finance, and US News, and World Reporter, and is a top leader in one of the world's largest financial services in the United States. Chris is the co-author of Couples Money, which is a book that he wrote with his wife, Marlo, which explains how they were able to quadruple their business in a few short years and overcome serious financial struggles. They share their money secrets, as well as those of numerous financial independent business owners they interviewed in the book. People have discovered how to overcome financial limitations in a simple, no-nonsense approach that has worked for many. Chris and Marno also have an Amazon best-selling author's uh, Prosperity Factor co-authored with Joe Vaitely. It's a weird last name. Um, So before I introduce Chris properly to the podcast, don't forget, if you take any value from today's episode, which I'm categorically convinced that you will, don't forget to like and share with the friends to help us spread the word to help as many people as possible. Welcome to the podcast, Chris Felton. Yes, sir. How are we doing today? I'm very, very well. How are you? Yeah, better than ever, man. Very, uh, very excited to be with you and uh, your crowd today. So thanks for having me. The information you've got today is going to help a lot of people. So this is a topic that's very close to my heart because uh, I have very openly had money problems in the past. Uh, when I was depressed, I essentially ruined my entire life. I uh, got myself mm. into a lot of debt. Uh, once I got myself out of debt, I then had to understand money. And that was one of the biggest things for me. And I wish I could articulate it as well as you do. So I've my research into you. You are very, very good at articulating uh, this topic. So let's just go back a little bit. So why is helping people with their finances so important to you? Well, I, uh, you know, my, I, I grew up with uh, parents that didn't know how money worked. So they, uh, you know, they argued, they fought, they stressed out, they divorced, uh, which is why my wife and I wrote a, our book called Couples Money, because we were actually on the path of divorce. And it was 
mainly because of the stupid financial decisions I'd made. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I, I mean, five leading killers in the United States today are stress related. Mm. And, um, you know, my mom worked her entire life, saved a grand total of $10,000 and, um, you know, passed away way too early. Uh, I mean, it's 2001 is it a while back, I mean, over 20 years ago, but, um, you know, colon cancer was the reason, but I, I just, I think it was stress. And I mm-hmm. think it was, you know, from the time she was five until she was 64, she was just always worried about money. My dad never learned how money worked, made it all the way to 88 and, uh, you know, died broke. So, um, and I, you know, I inherited their belief systems and they inherited their parents' belief systems. And, uh, you know, the bottoming out for me and my wife was me realizing that, um, I had never really questioned the beliefs that were handed to me. Mm. And, um, I was repeating this, this, the same, the same, you know, over and over again. And unfortunately, you know, well over 90% of people in the United States retire broke and, I, th- I, think uh, that's a, I think that's the start for the whole of the world as well. I don't think that's just specific yeah. to the US. Like in the UK, yeah. I think it'd be very, very similar as well. Um, again, if uh, viewers, long-term uh, listeners of the podcast will remember me talking about me and my mum having an argument about um, her financial education for me was you got to um, spend more, so spend less than you earn. And I was like, that is correct. But it's like telling a fat person to just not eat. Like, yes, technically it's correct, but it's not the right way of doing it. And it's not going to get you the desired results. So I think it's very, very similar. Everyone's told this story and narrative about money. So where's that come from, this, this, this terrible belief system around money? Yeah, I mean, beliefs are, uh, beliefs are interesting. And, and um, studies show that, you know, from ages, you know, zero to four, um, you know, I'm a big mindset guy. And um you know, there's uh, your, your your conscious mind and your unconscious mind, and your unconscious mind's ninety five percent of the show, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it it's you know you're not having to consciously tell your heart to beat right now, right? That's just happening. And um, you know, until we're four, we don't really have a conscious mind, so you have no capacity to accept or reject anything. Mm-hmm. So if I said the most ridiculous statement right now and it didn't line up and you knew it was ridiculous, you, you would have the capacity to reject what I said, but zero to four, you don't. So you, to get the approval of your surroundings and your parents and your environment, you're, you're just going to accept their stuff. Mm-hmm. So by the time you're, by the time you're four, Daniel, you're 50% programmed. And then by the time you're 10, you're about 70, 75%. And so by the time you're 18, you are 95% hardwired programmed. Mm. And programming just means you're not having to think about it. It just is running you, you know, at an unconscious level. And, and, and because of that, we don't really check the validity of our belief systems. And so from zero to four, you know, you're going to, Hey, world's friendly. It's unfriendly. Money's good. Money's bad. People are good. People are bad. So, you know, unless you grew up as a, you know, inside of a billionaire's home where your environment was like a fish in water and it's all you knew, mm. you know, that, that, that would, that's easy to, to get programmed. But, um, our research has shown that the majority of the top, you know, 4%, uh, in the United States, and I guess the world, uh, they all they all had the same negative programming around money, but they're just there. There came a time in their life when they said, 
that's enough. And for me, it was my, I just turned 50 in August, but for me, it was my late thirties. Like I, I couldn't just keep working harder to overcome these limiting beliefs. And uh, my analogy is always like, uh, you know, about 20 pounds ago and about 20 some years ago, I ran a, uh, a San Francisco marathon. Right. And, uh, and I was in great shape, but I can't imagine, you know, getting to that start line after training for six months and somebody comes and attaches a bowling ball to my ankle and mm. is like, okay, now run. Mm. <laughs> That would have been a harder race. Because so, that, that's what isn't it? People think they've got to keep earning more money. That's what it is. Like when I earn more money, when I earn more money, then, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be free. But the problem is their spending habits are going with the money that they earn. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like I said, the, the, the limiting beliefs are these bowling balls and, and they're beneath the surface. And um, and yeah, I mean, because I, I was in that trap. I'm like, okay, you know, um, in, in my wife and I are both couples money. We say wealth is created from the inside out. And the other 96 think it's the outside in, right? They, they want the outside world to stay the same while they, they, or they want the outside world to change while they insist on remaining the same. So, you know, and their life is uh, like what you just described. I call it their life is on the layaway plan, which I was like, one day I'm going to be happy. One day it's going to happen. And one day is a, uh, it's a big mind virus. Mm. And I suffered from it because it was always going to be one day away, but really it's, Hey, once this happens, I get the raise, I make more money, things turn up, then I'm going to get my act together. And that outside in approach to life, wealth, health, spirituality, relationship, whatever, it doesn't work. So it is an inside out shifting and changing um, that has to happen and it's, and it's not overnight. So that's, that was my experience. Yep. That's my experience as well. Like, so again, I can completely agree with everything you've just said there. I remember the days when, um, when I was going out with friends or going out for meals with the family, I had to look at the menu ahead of time to make sure that I had enough money in my bank account to actually pay for the meal that I was having. Like, I remember those days very, very well. And it, it's fair. It's getting me quite emotional thinking about it. Like, I was yeah. really not good with money. Um, yeah. And let me tell you the thing for me was, I got so pissed off when I understood about financial literacy, fuming. I was absolutely fuming. I was like, why was I not told this? Why am I not told this at school? And it's, it's one of the things where exactly what you said there, uh, I relate this all to, 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 to fat loss and mental health. It starts from within, but we're not taught that. Like we're not taught about these belief systems. We see people that are successful millionaires and our natural reaction is they must be assholes. They must have stolen that money. They must not be nice people. When actually the millionaires that I've met are actually really nice people. And if you talk to them, they'll actually tell you how they did it. But again, it's that negative narrative. And it's just absolutely bizarre. We're programmed to think that um, to be successful financially, you have to be an arsehole. And it could not be further from the truth. So then people don't want to be an arsehole. They don't want to try and learn about money because money is this evil word. It's like, oh, no money. Oh, no, no, no. That's not for me. So how do we then go about? identifying these these beliefs because the first thing i think is the awareness of it because most people listen to this right now maybe like oh yeah that it kind of is me but how do we get that awareness and then where do we go from there well yeah and i i think that um i think what you just talked about is is a huge thing like um you know if if i'm going to become wealthy you know if i get wealthy i'm going to turn into somebody i'm not and mm-hmm. money makes you more of what you are you're if you're a bad person it's going to make you more of the same. If you're a good person, it's going to make you more of the same, right? It's, it's, it's like a hammer, you know, a hammer can be used for good or bad. And so 
I think, you know, understand, cause my dad said rich people are crooks. And that was, you know, one that was at an unconscious level, but I, I didn't even know it. So, you know, and it, 90% of lottery winners are dead broker in jail inside of, you know, 10 years. Um, you know, uh, in, See, sports, in, star, sports stars as well. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah, na- yeah, national yeah. foot, national football league, NBA, um, you know, and it's, it's, um, and the concept, um, in, uh, I recommend everyone get uh, T. Harv Ecker's book, uh, secrets of a millionaire mind. It, unbelievable. Uh, talks I've, about li- I've literally got that. I've got that down here. I just bought it. I've not read it. But I've, I've yeah. bought it. Yeah. I heard, I heard it. I literally heard it. I think a week ago on a podcast and I yeah. bought it instantly. So yeah. that's bizarre that you just mentioned that book. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, yeah. we were destined to talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, well, and it, um, and he, what he talks about in that book is, you know, your money blueprint and, you know, a billionaire has got a, a money blueprint that's different than someone that struggles. And so, um, and then he, the concept's called a money bucket. So if you have a 50,000 a year income bucket and you get several millions, your subconscious bucket can't, can't handle it. I mean, it's, it's very fascinating because when the athletes do, you know, stupid things, they call them stupid. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's not. They subconsciously are, you know, like Mike Tyson. I mean, I think he's fixed it, but Mike Tyson used to say money is like uh, sand in my hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a limiting belief. It, it just flows through, um, you know, I, I, and, and I, and I've watched founders and they get money and it's all gone. And so this upgrading, of your belief systems, uh, you know, my wife keeps telling me I need to upgrade my, uh, my, you know, my iPhone, mm-hmm. um, you know, every three to four years, you need to upgrade your computers. You need to upgrade your iPhones. You need to upgrade those things. Um, but most people never upgrade their belief systems. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the, the starting point, you know, for me, and I always recommend everybody is just, you, you have a relationship with, different topics. You have a relationship, you know, I'm, I'm in sales. So if, if, if I don't really understand that sales equals serving, then, you know, I'm going to have a bad relationship with the word sales and it doesn't matter how trained I get. I view selling as negative, not going to work. Yeah. Um, and money's the same way, health, whatever. And so my, my favorite formula is me plus my thought equals the result. Mm-hmm. And so if the result you don't like financially, like you, you, you uncovered it yourself. If you don't like where you are financially, there's you and there's your thinking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hired a coach for four and a half years and he said, you know, you, you no longer have a money problem. You have a money project Yeah, and uh, projects. We view projects way different than we do problems. And so point A for me was understanding what my word is with, or, or, or what my, what my story was with the word money. And I sat down, well, here's me and there's my situation. Here's my thinking. And it was all the stuff that you went through making money's hard. Well, that's a big one. Saving money's hard. Uh, rich people are crooks. They make money on the backs of poor people. And my, my dad told me that won't make you happy. Um, just all these. And so for me, Daniel, it was just this long list of stuff that Mm -hmm. I had made up. And that's what us humans do. We make 
up stories. Yep. And, but the cool part was all I had to do was change the story. So quick, quick story on this and then we'll, I'll, I'll shut up and uh, (laughs) get more of your questions, but, but I was headlong into personal growth and development and I was, um, uh, d- 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 doing a, a, a project as part of our, we had a 10 day men's leadership program I was involved in. And the guy that was there, uh, we, we became friends, uh, multi-million, you know, multi- makes multi-millions a year, oil and gas CEO, total stud, great guy. And he's like, why, you know, why'd you come here? And I was like, well, money, it's just so hard to make and keep and all and Daniel, he he literally looked at me like I was an alien. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, dude, money is the easiest thing on the planet. And I'm like, how old were you? How old were you when you figured that out? He said, I was three years old. I'll never forget it. He's like, my dad stared at me and he said, money will flow to you like water. Well, wow. right. Instantaneous programming. Yep. But what do, what do most kids get? Can't afford it. This, this money doesn't grow on tree, you know, all the garbage. And then I was like, well, why are you here? And he was going into his fourth marriage that's lasted, thank God. Um, but he had a story around people not being able to trust them. They always let him down, always this, always that. And I didn't have that issue. Mm-hmm. So here were two guys with two different total results in two different t- areas of their lives. And that's when it said, I'm like, we've all just been living out a story. So he needed to change his relationship story. I had to go to work changing my money story and, and actually transform. So that's the good news is understanding that we as humans make up a lot of stories about stuff. The key is understanding what are we making up about it? And is it serving us or not? And if it's not, then we need to change the story, which, which takes some work, but it's, you know, it's, it's worth it, which is one of my themes after I talk every time is Mm. whatever work you think you need to do, don't negotiate whether it's worth it or not. Just understand that it is. Especially when it comes to money as well, because money's everything, like whether people like it or not, like it's not saying that everyone listening to this podcast wants to be a millionaire. It's not about that, but I know so many people that struggle paycheck to paycheck. So wouldn't it just be nice just to be financially free enough not to worry paycheck to paycheck about if you can pay your bills and your rent and your mortgage, wherever it is. And that's basically what, what I want to, to get out of it today, Chris, is just this, 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 this game, giving people that, the knowledge and awareness that they can be financially free, but it starts from within them. And that for me, people will be listening to that saying, so what, you're telling me that I can make all this money just by changing me? Yes. Yes, it's literally that simple. And it should empower people because they then don't rely on other people or other things or the, the, uh, the, the market, the stocks and shares. It's all down to them and their relationship with it. So one thing that when you're talking there, it reminded me of one of my limiting beliefs. My mom, uh, I think it's my mum used to say to me, um, was money burns a hole in my pocket. So that was my one. That was a big thing. And I wrote it down there. So that, that, that's massive. And I think a big thing that you said there about stories, uh, we had uh, Paul Cope on the, the podcast, who's now a good friend of mine. And he spoke a lot about the stories that we construct. And for me, a lot of people uh, c- construct these stories to justify why they can't do something. Because as you said, it's hard to then unpick that. So they make these stories up to just play it safe. So the term financial literacy, that's sort of the big thing. What actually is financial literacy? What does it actually mean to be financially literate? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's just like normal, normal literacy. Okay. If, um, if you, if you, 
if you could imagine not being able to read, hmm. how how would that limit your life? I mean, well, it would be well. Well, well I, 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 I can vouch for that because my dyslexia. I literally did not read a book, literally at all, until the age of twenty-five. No, 21, 21, 21 years old. I've got a degree. So I went to university in America and I got a degree and I'd never read a book front to back ever in my entire life. Uh, and now I've just spent 140 pounds on a book to like, I literally love reading now. I'm obsessed with reading, but my belief was I cannot read. I literally should say yeah. to myself, I cannot read. But as soon as I realized that that was a belief I was putting on myself and I could read, the problem was I just needed to practice it. As soon as I removed that, honestly, I, 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 again, I was so pissed off the story I told myself, because when I was reading these books, I was like, all this knowledge that I've missed out on because this stupid story I told myself had absolutely no, uh, no, no, uh, no validity to it. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I, I want to say about not being able to read. Like, I know that as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's, dude, you're quite the story, man. Um, that, that's, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. But, but it, it's, it's no different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, and so how limited was your life before and then right and now it's it's basically become you know massively unlimited and and that's powerful and so and it's just the same with you know financial literacy and and it's you know we don't you don't need to turn into a phd on money but you need the ability you know to make wise decisions that will help you grow financially mm-hmm. so i what, mean that's that's what it means to me what, what bad decisions do you see people making financially? Well, I mean, I, you know, in our book, Couples Money, I kind of, I kind of bear my soul because it's, it was actually in um, T. Harv Eker's book, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. And it was, you know, one, we, we were in a situation where, you know, because of the disaster I'd created, we were a quarter of a million dollars of unsecured debt. And, you know, I'm in financial services and made stupid decisions and we were just leaking money, right? And I mean, it's unbelievable. And so, so it was a it was a big elephant and and once my wife and I after having a massive blowout fight uh once I realized that uh wherever I've had a money problem in my life Daniel I've always been there yeah. um and and I was the common denominator of all my issues then I I decided to sit down and go you know what I'm I'm going to I'm going to go all in on shifting these belief systems and changing some habits and I'm going to treat this topic of money mindset like an Olympic athlete would treat their sport. And, um, and so that's what I did. I, I was just, you know, waking up early and, and, and reading what I could and journaling and, and just, you know, you know what it is, you know what the work is like and you got to do the work. Um, but, but anyway, but I, uh, so I'd read T Harv's book before, but, but now my awareness was changing. Mm. And he said, until you start managing the money that you have now, well, you won't see anymore. Mm. And that was like a piano that just hit me. I was just, I, I was blown away. I'm like, Oh my God, I am dying the death of a thousand cuts. And what I did next is I, I found a simple, you know, financial calculator on the internet. And my office was literally across the street from the sandwich place called Quiznos. Yep. And I was there every day, five, six, seven days a week. Um, I mean, just every day. Mm-hmm. And it was 15, 20, 30 bucks a shot. And so I just put, you know, I put the, put in the calculator and, and, uh, okay, what if I would have brown bagged it and not spent the 20, 30, 40 bucks? 
And, you know, what would that, what would that have led to? Hmm. And it, over, you know, 20, 30 years, I mean, it was multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, it was like the real moment of, you know, compounding interest, which is, you know, your interest growing on your interest. And most yeah. people have that with their debt, not, you know, that. And so it's, it's not the money that you blow. It's what the money would have done. And so that was the moment, man. I'm just like, okay, like success is all about small things cared for. And if we're going to do something big, we got to take care of the small stuff. So it was, it was that awareness and, you know, and the pandemic taught us that, you know, the, the amount of money that unconsciously blows out of people's lives, the small dollars, yeah. it's, it's tremendous. So yeah. once we start taking care of the small things and being trusted with the small things, we could be trusted with the bigger things. Yeah. So that's the one thing I've never met anyone that doesn't have a 10, 15, 20, even more. I, you know, I was happy hour king. I mean, dude, it was unbelievable how much money was blown out of my life and, and had really no respect for money. But that's, this, that's what it is, the respect for money. And this is one of the biggest things that I say to people. People say they can't afford things. For example, coaching, or they can't afford a seminar or whatever it is to better themselves. Yet they'll go out on a weekend and happily spend £100. They will, again, go and have a Starbucks coffee, which again, what, £5 a shot, whatever it is. And you're looking at it, it's like all these things they're spending money on and they're just caught in the system which has encouraged them to get more and more and more in debt. And you got that buy now, pay later. There's all these things. It's like, if you can't afford something, this was my biggest thing. The biggest thing that I learned was, if I can't afford something, I do not buy it. It's as simple as that. Like, I, I, if, I, if I have to pay in installments, I can't afford it. That's assuming that I've got money coming in. What happens if I break my leg and I've got no money coming in? I'm now in debt. So that was one of the biggest things that I, I, I took from my, my journey on financial education is, if I cannot afford something outright, whether it's a car, coffee machine, because again, I spent two grand on a coffee machine. So people laughed at that. I love coffee. I bought that coffee machine outright. I would have spent five pounds, six pounds, seven pounds a day going to the local coffee thing to get that. I've saved myself. That's an investment for me and I could afford it yeah. outright. I didn't buy it on interest free. I bought it outright. My car bought it outright. My phone, all these things now that people think is nuts. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm now in control and I respect the money. I understand the game. And that's what it is for me. Once I saw it as a game, and you understand the rules, you can then win the game. The problem is certain people keep the rule book to themselves and let everyone fend and sort of try and pick up the pieces. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 And there's, um, there's, uh, you know, there's, a, there's another book out there. I don't know if you've heard, it's called uh, your money or your life. Nope. Um, that and, um, um, uh, God, I always forget the name. I think Vicky Robin. And then anyway, but th th this is, uh, and this is like, you get in the, you get in the Nats knees about what you're spending. You, you like, they get you to record it. And, um, university of Denver here, they, uh, I, I, I haven't checked in a while, but it was a, it was a college course. It was a three credit hour course they had. Um, but basically, you know, this guy was trying to figure out how he was going to be able to just retire part time or whatever. And he figured out, okay, this amount of money I make. And then what, what do I really, really make? So what's the net amount I'm making and, you know, subtracting money I spend on my career, gas, eating out, you know, whatever it is. And then how, door to door, how much time am I, am I allocating? 
So, you know, you could figure it out, net amount of money divided by lots of people put in way more time than, than just at the job, especially, you know, COVID, they just, it's unending, they yeah. work. Um, but you figure out a dollar per hour and it was like, you know, let's say it's 20 bucks an hour. And if you go out and blow a thousand bucks on something divided by 20 bucks an hour, it's the best definition of money I've ever heard, Daniel. It's money, something you exchange your life energy for. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Something you exchange your life energy for. So when I see these people, you know, blowing money and I'm like, all right, you went out to the bars and taking your, your Ubers and all that. And you, you blew a grand on a weekend and you're making 20 bucks an hour. You just exchanged 50 hours of your life for that. Oh, was mate, that it gold. worth it? Was it worth it? So your coffee machine, you're going, hell yeah, it's worth it. Cause I'm a fellow coffee fiend, just like you brother. And, um, so it's worth it. And, mm -hmm. And so what my wife and I figured out was we were doing, you know, the eating out and, you know, having these meals and, and, you know, me blowing money and all these, all this money I was blowing was like adding no value to my life. Oh. So, you know, but we would set big savings goals and hit them. And then we, you know, we treat ourselves We'd go to Pebble beach, you know, uh, in just one of the most beautiful places on the planet where golfers, and we would, it would be an expensive trip, but it was worth every freaking dollar. Mm. And we were able to do that trip because we, we, we cut out all the crap that did not add any value to our lives. That is gold. And, uh, that yeah. is gold. What you just said there, that, that I think for this entire podcast, if people just take away that, that will change people's lives. Like you are not exchanging money for that thing. You're exchanging your time and your time is the most precious thing that you have. And then again, this this is again. I I, I did this, but I didn't. I, I've never thought of articulating it this way. Um, that's something I did when I was going through my. Um, so now every single week, I check my expenses. It's all there, and I keep a, a thing on an Excel spreadsheet. And whenever I, I make a decision now, I will ask myself: Is this adding value? I subconsciously said that, but I would not. Have, I've not put it anywhere here in the show notes. It wasn't a conscious thing. But I asked myself: Is this adding value to my life? So that money I spent on that book, people think I'm nuts spending 140 quid on a book. The information that book's going to give me is worth mm. more than 140 quid. Like, and it's Amen. as simple as that. Same with the coffee machine. Like, one of my simple pleasures in life is coffee. Genuinely, I don't drink, I don't smoke. Coffee is one of my things. Having that first sip of coffee in the morning is one of the simple pleasures in my life. Is it worth it? Fuck yes. Simple as that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not arguing. It is what it is. Um, let's, can, I, can we pick the pace up with this? Meaning that I really want to get into something with this okay, that is sure. going to blow people's minds. So we, sure. you've, covered, you've covered a lot already here, but this is something that absolutely blew my mind. And this is the argument I had with my mum to explain her why her definition of money was broken about uh, you need to um, spend less than you earn. What's the difference between inflation and interest and why should people care yeah i mean in, in inflation is just um the, the capacity over time of um prices to just increase right and 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 they increase you know for for, for different reasons but prices increase over time um and uh interesting you bring that up there's a uh, so i'm a, a a christian and there's a guy uh, it's a great book, whether you're a Christian or not, I highly recommend you get it. It's called Evangelpreneur. 
mm-hmm. um, evangelpreneur, and his uh, and he's got the studies that back it up. The guy's name is Josh Tolley. Uh, but real inflation in the United States, at least, and it's probably not that different, you know, all, all over the world is uh, 10%. Yep. And real wage growth is 3%. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the price of, of food, the price of housing, the price of cars, the price of gas, the price of all that stuff. So the only way you can actually keep up with the inflation wave calls it the inflation wave is you got to, you got to be a business owner. Mm-hmm. You can't be an employee to do that. And so interest is basically, you know, what somebody charges to give you access to capital that you don't have. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's really the, the difference. Um, or, you know, your capacity to invest and hopefully earn interest, earn a return on your money. And you need to do that because the goal needs to be that you need to earn enough interest to outpace inflation. Yes. Yes. And that's it. That's the biggest thing here. That is, again, again, you may need to replay this again. That is the biggest thing. Like everyone's saying that um, that wages have gone up, like uh, it's gone up by like 3%, as you said. But inflation, if it's gone up by four, you're still 1% worse off. So you have to find ways to beat inflation. So inflation is what I, uh, there's a saying, I can't remember what it is, like it's a silent killer or something. It's a silent thing that causes most people to go into debt because they think they're earning X amount of money, but they're actually not because inflation is going up so high that they get this pay rise, think, oh, that's amazing, but they don't understand about inflation. And this is the thing that blew my mind. This is the thing that made me angry because yep. everyone's like, oh yeah, you've got to save your money, put in a high interest account. The interest account, if people are lucky, is 1.5%. But if inflation is yeah. 3%, you're losing 1.5% every single year on your money. Let that sink in. For anyone who's got a savings account, we're going to go into savings in a second. If you're saving your money and you're getting a 1.5% return, which is very, very good, and inflation is on average about three or four percent. You are losing one point five percent of your money every single year. You are not gaining one point five percent. You are losing one point five percent. This is something yeah. you really need to understand, and it's something that once I figured it out, again, I'm getting goosebumps here. It makes me mad just talking about it. I was so pissed off that no one told me this because yeah. I was doing. Most people do as they're told. Most <clears throat> people save their money thinking it's the best thing to do, but then the inflation's gone up so high they don't have the same buying powers they thought they had. Yeah. Well, and, and have you heard of the rule of 72? Hit me. This is a big one. So the rule of 72 is not actually taught uh, in schools. I didn't know about it. I mean, my background's a certified public accountant, financial advisor. No one ever taught me rule of 72. But you take 72, you divide it by the rate of return that you hope to achieve. And that's how often your money doubles. So 72 divided by 1%, your money is going to double every 72 years. So in the United States, the average rate in a savings account is 0.09%. So 72 divided by 0.09, your money's doubling every 800 years. It's cra- and here's the crazy part, Daniel. This proves how financially illiterate people are. There's 10 trillion dollars sitting in those types of accounts in the United States. Yep. It's unbelievable. So and what, 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 and what does the bank do with that money? What well, does they the bank go, do? They go double their money every four years. Yep. So you know they're they're getting you know 17% interest. And so the banks, the banks aren't your friends. And so you know 
if you can go get a 9% rate of return, you guys can do the math. 72 divided by nine, you, you, your money's doubling every eight years. So your, your key is to get as many doubles as you can. You know, and I got a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old. Nobody told me this. I didn't know rule 72 until I was in my early 30s. But I'm like, guys, like, you know, and, and there's studies that show that, you know, if the 20-year-old is, is systematically investing and then stops at age 30, and then the 30-year-old comes in and starts investing and, and invests until he's uh, 60 or 50 or something, he'll never catch up with the 20-year-old. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, Albert Einstein called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. Mm-hmm. So you either have it working, creating wealth in your investments, or you have it working against you, um, you know, with banks. And so that's that also perpetuates the problem too is you know banks have their agenda yep and so, they're not they're not your friend absolutely so let's talk about debt because people are going to be listening to this and then going to be like this is all well and good but i'm still five grand 10 grand 20 grand 50 grand 100 grand in debt whatever it is right what's the first thing people can do to actually manage their debt so I, again I, I know i got taught but i'm really interested in your take on this what's the first thing that people can do because the first thing people can do to actually increase their wealth is to get rid of the debt because then by default, you then automatically have more money available to you. So what can people do to get rid of this debt? Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and I, and once again, the, the mindset around it is what you focus on expands. And so what I'm going to share with you guys, you know, might resonate uh, with some people. It might be different than what you guys have been told. It's just, this is what, so we had a quarter of a million dollars of unsecured debt because of divorce and just stupid stuff that I'd done. And the first, the first step is just spreadsheeting it. I mean, that's, you know, and a lot of people, and I can tell you story after story of different clients, they were little ostriches with their head in the sand, yep. you know, and I, I call it living on, on hopium. Okay. Ho- <laughs> hopiums, right. And I'm a, I'm a recovering hopium addict. So I know what that, I know what that looks oh, like. Right. Mate, but, I, mate, uh, I, I absolutely love you. Doing stuff like that is absolute gold because you, you're, you're completely right. I did the exact same thing. When I was in so much debt, I knew I was in debt, but I refused to acknowledge how much debt I was in. And the more that I refused to acknowledge it, I was getting addicted to hopium and it just got worse and worse and worse. Mate, I love that. That's brilliant. Well, yeah. Right. And we're all hoping, hoping someone's going to come rescue, you know, rescue us. You know, it's, uh, it's nuts, but anyway, but so once, you know, I was kind of out of my hopium and, um, the, the term is called objective reality and mm-hmm. it's a skill set of the very successful people. They have the capacity to look at their situation without bringing a lot of emotion to it, yep. which is, which is, which is big. So my wife and I sat down and she just said, okay, here it is. Here's, here's the, here's the debt. Here's the interest rates. Here's the payments. Here's all that. And so what we did, and if you are an avid spender, this is a bad idea for you. Okay. Um, but you know, if you're a spender, you got to get your dollar, you know, your 10, 15, $20 a day, uh, you know, out of the way. But my wife in our book, Couples Money, she basically spent, you know, two and a half years flying around finding world-class couples and interviewing them about how they did it. Yeah. And, and so she came back and the tip, and this is what worked for me is he said, you know, Brian Tracy, big personal development rock star, you know, he said, if you can't save money, the seeds of greatness aren't in you. And so 
our mentor said, do you guys want to fix your debt? Or do you want to create wealth? So they got me, and this is what worked for me, Daniel, might not work for everybody, but they got me focused on getting uh, obsessed with saving money. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we got all our interest rates down to a small amount. So, you know, we'd call, we'd negotiate, we did balance transfers. I mean, once again, and there's, there's some debt counselors out there listening to me right now and they're, you know, they're doing a shot of whiskey because they're like, no, 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 don't do that. Well, it, this is what worked for us. Mm-hmm. And so the debt thing was a part-time job. It was a project that we were totally bought into with emotion. So we weekly went through and said, okay, now we got this rate from 17 down to three. Um, we got this rate down, right? You don't close the old cards. You don't do that stuff because you can impact your credit. If you're going to be trying to buy a home or whatever, you should, probably shouldn't be trying to buy a home until you get debt free. But you know, you got to be be careful about all that. But basically, we took 15, 17% interest rates. And then we got them down to zero, three percent, those things. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. But mm-hmm. the first thing is whether you buy into my philosophy or not, is you gotta get, you gotta accept where you are. Yep. And acceptance is really powerful. And acceptance is not liking it, but you gotta quit hating it. Because if you keep hating your situation, you're gonna what you resist continues to persist. It, Absolutely. It's just unbelievable. So, you know, acceptance for me is like, if I get a flat tire, I could get, you know, when we get a flat tire, we're like, oh my God, this shouldn't have happened to me. Why'd this happen to me? You know, we go through all these steps and the flat tire is sitting there going, we don't really Mm -hmm. care. Uh, (laughs) You just like the quicker you can go, there's a flat tire. What do I want? What's the next thing we need to do? So we just got to acceptance, forgave myself. She forgave me. Can't change the past. Spreadsheeted it had it out. We put it up multiple locations so we could see it. And we just went after it, man. And, and, and got the, got the credits, you know, got the the interest rates down and it took some freaking work, but it was worth it. But then what we did is we set a savings goal Mm -hmm. and, um, liquid savings. And for us, you know, because I'd created such a mess, we said, okay, and this could be, it's all relative. It could be five grand for you. It could be a thousand, could be 10 grand. We just set a goal. Hey, we want to have a hundred thousand of liquid reserves. Mm. And, um, and then once we get to the first 50, we're going to keep saving. But once we get to the first 50, then we're going to get super aggressive about blowing out our debt. Mm-hmm. Um, because what my mentors told me was you want to get the, the, the money saved to ensure that you never go back there again. Yes. Yeah. Um, and once again, this is an, this is not an approach that I've heard a lot of people talk about. But for me, man, it was way more energizing to focus on creating wealth, saving. Um, you know that that was you know, and then once we hit that hundred thousand, and we saved you know extra few thousand on top, then we you know then we we went and took a great trip, mm-hmm. took four or five days off, rewarded ourselves. Um, anyway. 
So I I think there's a big thing. uh, This is the strategy that I got taught after I got myself debt free. So I've actually had a few clients. Again, obviously, mine is is coaching, like fat loss and mental health coaching. Uh, But I've had a few clients struggling with their finances. So I've literally sat them down in my office and gone through this. So the first thing I'll say to people is exactly what you've said. So it's interesting that you say this isn't a, a strategy most people use. I agree, but it makes more sense. So again, from a logical point of view, you've got to think if you've got debt, so you have no money saved and you've got debt. If you keep piling all your money to get yourself out of that debt, and your washing machine blows up, you're now going to get yourself with another two grand of debt to pay for that washing machine. Whereas if you keep hitting your minimum payments on the cards, so you're still paying them off, but at the same time, you're aggressively saving so that you have 10 grand or five grand, whatever it is, just sat there, just as a little bit of a reserve and savings. If you then start trucking the rest of that money, once you've hit that savings into paying off the debt and your washing machine blows up, you do not have to go into debt to pay it off because you've got the savings there. And as you said, Chris, it's like it changes people's mindset because they are actually saving money. For the first time, they don't feel like a loser that's broke. They're actually saving money. They can see it going up and it helps them massively. And also on that note as well, if people have got two things, they've got £10,000 debt that's got 5% interest or a £5,000 one with 15% interest, most people would think to pay off the £10,000 one first. However, my research, correct me if I'm wrong, you want to pay off the £5,000 debt first because it's got a higher interest rate. So you want to pay off the higher interest rate, higher interest rate first rather than the actual number. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and if you get to the point where you can't, you know, you cannot negotiate, you can't get any more credit, you can't do, yeah, absolutely. You got, you got to go attack. Um, you know, it's a debt, debt snowball approach, um, and and you get it. But but the key is, is you got to you got to create the savings habit, man. It's yeah, it's agreed. It's big, and then once we had, um, you know, then once we had, you know, we proved we could save money. Um, but, but also part of that, Daniel, the big thing is, is you got to bring more money in. And so, you know, so my wife and I sat down and we said, okay, what are some things we can do that are an extension of what we do, you know, to bring, you know, more, more income streams, multiple streams of income, what can we do to raise our income? And so, you know, our focus is our business, but you know, our book actually came from that. I mean, we speaking, I mean, we had some skills or some things that we like to do. And so we added other streams of income. And so most people get really stuck on, okay, this is what I do. This is what I make. And this is how I do it. You got to sit down and brainstorm and think, okay, what are some other ways I can raise, you know, my income? Cause that that's one of the problems is inflation's so high. People aren't making enough. They're going into debt because they can't make enough to keep up with inflation Guys, you got to be an entrepreneur, and that's that's one of you know my 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 handle on Instagram is cf underscore e two e, and e two e stands for turning employees into entrepreneurs mm. um, because you just you, you, you got to have it. And then the last thing with that is once we proved that we could do it, then my wife and I set up a, a, a fun account for her and a fun account for me. Yeah, and that's probably the greatest, one of the best things we've ever done is the beginning of the month, she manages the money and she, you know, allocates X amount to me and she allocates X amount to her and it's the same amount. And, you know, and that's for seeing my kids and Christmas and having fun and all that. That's powerful because you're not going to blow your fun account money normally on something that's not going to bring value to you. And so that took all the resentment of fun out of the equation. So when we've had fun accounts for 12 years, it was her idea. Um, but 
you got it. You got it. Once you can get some habits built and you feel like you've gotten some habits created on saving money, then you got to allocate some fun. Otherwise, you know, you you'll sabotage the plan mm-hmm. um, because you're not having any fun. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing you hit on there as well, the first thing that people need to do before they do any of this stuff is like I said, is just work on themselves. Because like I say, with anything, you are the person that's driving this forward. Like if you are not breaking down the limiting beliefs, looking on your identities, all the negative thoughts, feelings, emotions, whatever it is, this is what I'm working with clients with fat loss. Like the way that I approach fat loss is so unique. I've not seen anyone else do this. I talk about is a um, success bridge. So you've seen the, the old Indiana Jones movies where they've got the wooden, the old wooden rockety bridges. So for me, when it comes to the fat loss, people want to try and have the finest planks of whatever when it comes to having the best nutrition plan, the best training program, uh, doing the cardio, all the supplements, all that stuff. Cool. Spend, they'll spend thousands on these things, but that's yeah. just planks of wood floating there. So you need the rope that ties it all together. That's the adherence. You've got to be able to stick to it. But then all you've got is planks of wood and rope just floating there. You need the four big pillars at either end to hold it all together. And that is your mental health and your mindset. That is your belief systems. That is your identity. That is all that stuff that holds it all together. And if you are not working on that, you will never succeed in anything, whether it's fat loss, whether it's business, whether it's saving money, your brain, your mindset, your relationship with yourself is the most important thing you can invest your money in because you ultimately are the one that's got to save. You are the one that's ultimately got to be in control of all this. So all this stuff you're saying is absolutely gold. And I love how you've articulated it because essentially we've got the same, it seems to me that we've got the same vision and the same mission, but I'm doing it towards fat loss and mental health. You're doing it towards financial freedom. But fundamentally it all starts with, you've got to get those big four corner pillars of the mental health and mindset sorted. Otherwise the whole bridge falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, you're, you're spot on, man. I mean, it's all mindset. It's all inside out. And if you don't, if you don't do the internal work, I mean, I, I call it rearranging the furniture on the deck of the Titanic, right? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not. <laughs> oh, man, you're, I have to do that again. Yeah. Your mindset is, is the Titanic, man. And, uh, you, you can, uh, move the furniture all the way around, but the damn boat's going down and, uh, there's not a lot you can do about it. So yeah, absolutely, man. Spot on. Um, so final question, cause again, um, due to the circumstances which is completely my fault so again for my audience i completely messed up the time zone difference obviously in the uk our clocks have changed and it's completely my fault my own uh chris was very gracious and actually been able to to, to slightly rearrange this podcast times so we could get it going um this has been probably the most informative podcast i think i've ever done would you agree mikey like in in the time we've spoken how long have we been going for what like 40 49 minutes the, the, the value and information you've given people is just absolutely insane. So I just want to say thank you. Um, uh, final sure. question that I ask all my, my guests. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who feels stuck and out of control with their finances? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think it's, um, uh, you know, we, we, we Google Maps or a, a GPS or however you want to view it is um, for me and for my wife, it's just always been about defining point A. Like, what is it? Like, what's going on there, right? Like, what is the savings? What is the income? What is the debt? What is that? What is that situation? Point A of of my mindset. What what what? Where's my mindset around money? Um, you know, and, and point A, and then you know, understanding what is my point B, hmm. right? I mean, what what do I want? I mean, for me and my wife, I mean, once again, our point A was pretty nasty. Um, but getting to acceptance of point A, but we got really clear about, you know, and having, uh, you know, having dreams. I mean, that, that's, uh, I've been, uh, I've been flying around talking to a lot of crowds and I, I, one of the things I ask them is, um, are you dreaming? 
Mm. I get some really curious looks, man. Like, they're <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, and, and they're, they're not really dreaming. And, and I know why it's hard to dream when you're struggling. I get it. Yep. Um, but yep. you know, my wife and I sat down and said, okay, if we keep looking at our environment, it's just going to keep looking the same. Like, what do we really want? What are we aiming for? You know, what, what's, what's, what's our ideal life look like? And, and once again, there was no evidence that it was going to show up based on our current circumstances, but we had to start looking at really what we wanted. And it wasn't material stuff or all that, but it was a level of financial independence because, you know, I had a mentor a long time ago. She looked me in the eye. We were struggling. She's like, Chris, you'll never know how good you can be until money's behind you. Hmm. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, right. And yeah. I get goosebumps every time I say it. And I probably say it two dozen times a week. I mean, you'll never know how good you can be until money's behind you, meaning you don't, you don't, the reason you want to get money, you know, some peace of mind around it is you don't have to think about it and mm. you're able to extend your service. And, you know, um, you know, Billy Graham wrote a quote. He said, once you get your attitude straight around money, it's going to help straighten out every area of your life. Oh my yep. God, dude, yep. that totally changed my world. Like yep. once I got my attitude straight around money, I had to practice forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to a group of advisors in Texas this week, and we spent an hour and a half on forgiving people mm. because I had a coach that said, until you forgive your ex-wife, you're going to be a broke joke your whole life. Yeah. It's always, like, someone, it's always someone else's fault playing the blame game. Yeah. Well, and it's just, he's like, you need to learn how to forgive her, which was one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. Mm. Um, I still do. I make a list of people I have grievances on and I, and I go through forgiveness process. Anyway, I'm, I'm giving you more than you asked, but, but there's just, there's a process here of where am I point A? I would also add to that. Who do I need to forgive? Because mm -hmm. people that hold on in your health guy, you know, um, I had a buddy used to work with uh, cancer patients uh, and he was more of a naturopath. And one of the first things he would do is he'd, he'd, he'd sit him down. He's like, okay, you obviously need to forgive somebody. And he's like, they're like, what do you mean? He's like, well, uh, forgiveness is usually the root of all cancer. And mm -hmm. dude, unbelievable and mm -hmm. so you know so point a who do i who do i need to you know let go of and 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 who do i got grievances on that i need to release and then point b what's my dream mm. what do i want where are we going and then our key was taking that ideal life and then we were able to get focused on like the next quarter okay mm. how much money do we need to have saved by march 31st or whatever mm -hmm. um, or december 31st and then we dialed it into what's well, the strategies, tactics, and processes that I must complete this week. And then at the end of that, there was just this course correction that we did every week. Okay, what did we learn? What's going? And it's cool, man. And when you're on the path and you know you're making process, you're, you're making progress. That's when you get the good dopamine hits mm -hmm. um, in your brain. Is the goal is great, but knowing that you're on the path to it and you're making progress is a pretty significant reward. So point A, point B. And that's, again, things in motion tend to stay in motion. So again, once you get going, like that's absolutely incredible. You've said, again, 
in that last part there, some incredible stuff. You said you gave me too much information. Chris, I don't think I'll ever complain to a podcast guest for giving me too much information because, again, that's more value for my audience. So you said some amazing things there. So, again, where are you at right now? Be honest with it. Get real. Identify it. Be honest with yourself. And then where do you want to go? And then set that intention. And that then got me thinking of when I was in debt, I was sat there, had no clients, had no business. Um, I was up in Manchester, away from home, and I was in a lot of debt. And I remember writing on my whiteboard. It's the same whiteboard I've got right down here next to me. And I wrote down 10,000 pounds. And I had absolutely no right at all to do that. And I spent £250 on a course at the time. And my girlfriend at the time said I was a fucking idiot because that was all my that was literally all my money gone. That was all my money gone. That was it. And I said, I, I think that this course is going to help me sort my life out. And she says, We're well, fucking better because you now don't have any money. And it did. That was the thing that basically helped the Prime Life Project. Where I'm at right now is a direct result of that decision I made. And I had no right to put that £10,000 on the board. And it was absolutely incredible for me because it gave me a target to aim for. And I could then reverse process it back. Uh, and again, one thing about forgiveness, again, when it comes to Buddhism, thing called a Metta Bhavna, again, they talk about forgiving, like act of love and kindness. So I think that's a massive thing. Whenever anyone does things to annoy me or frustrate me, when I meditate, I will try and visualize them and just forgive them and just give them a bit of love, a bit of grace. And it's the hardest thing you will ever do especially with some of the pieces of shit that are walking around on this planet but i promise you just getting that stuff out of your backpack that you're carrying around is unbelievable and then as you said chris once you get money out of the way you take money at the, the debt out of that backpack it gets so much lighter and it'll completely free you up chris this genuinely has been an absolute pleasure where can my audience find out more information about you and where can they buy your book yeah um couplesmoney.com is uh is is our website couplesmoney.com and um i have a uh in the store i have a a complimentary 60 minute uh coaching session that i'll take people through um i help them define point a point b you know game plan i talk about mindset and there's lots of things uh we can do um the book is there the book's also on uh on amazon uh we have an audible version so, uh, so, so, so there's good things there. I'm on uh, Twitter um, at CL, L is in Larry, CL Felton. And then uh, Instagram, I'm dropping uh, five posts uh, a week um, all around. Really, it's, it's journaling the things that have actually helped me. And that's mm. the CF underscore E, uh, the, the number two E, CF underscore E two E. Um, mm. And, uh, and then uh, Chris, uh, chris.felton at wealthwave.com. So happy to answer emails and, um, you know, help. Uh, it's just that's part of my purpose on the planet is to uh, help people free themselves mentally and financially so they can live an amazing life. So, oh, mate, mine's mentally and physically. That's yeah. it. My purpose is to help people mentally and physically become the best versions of themselves. Mate, this has been genuinely an absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much. And thank you for being so accommodating at the start of this podcast as well. Yeah, brother. Yeah, no, it's it's been awesome. Time has flown by. I really appreciate you. Take care. Okay, buddy.